Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin. And as always, I'm joined alongside my great partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my friend? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Ed, I am doing phenomenal. Um... Definitely because I'm a resident of Colorado, and I think you know why I'm doing phenomenal. Uh, the entire state of Colorado has been in, you know, quite the uh, the frenzy the last few days, and I think that might be a little bit of an understatement, Ed. I mean, one of the uh, quite possibly the biggest news to Colorado sports of the last, I mean, since acquiring the share of Peyton Manning, Denver has just experienced its most blockbuster move in the history of its existence. I mean, they were able to acquire Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks, Ed. And I, I, every morning I wake up, I hope that I haven't been dreaming because I am so excited to see this happen. I mean, it's kind of strange seeing it all come full circle. I mean, it starts off with the win against the Denver Broncos. Your career starts off with, you know, beating them, absolutely demolishing them in the Super Bowl. And then a decade later, you find yourself on that same football team you demolished. I mean, I am ecstatic, to say the least, Ed. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge trade for the Denver Broncos. I mean, basically, quarterback has been that question mark for, I don't know how many years. Since pretty much since Peyton Manning, you know, got old, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) this 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 has been the problem for the Denver Broncos is finding the right quarterback, and they've gone through so many names. You know, you go back to Joe Flacco, you go back to... Uh, Paxton Lynch you go back to um, you know any you know they tried Teddy Bridgewater they've tried so many different options and finally they just say we need a franchise guy and so I think I think the value of their franchise went up um, for people who are buying the Broncos I think I think the value of the franchise went up with this trade I 100% agree with you I mean Ed this the Denver Broncos right now might be one of the hottest upcoming teams. I mean, you look at that roster, Ed, and I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that that's a top five roster in football with Russell Wilson on it now. I mean, uh, I I get that they don't have much in the win-loss category to show for that, but, I mean, if you go back and just watch the games, um, I talked about it last year. They consistently lose the game because they don't know how to close them out offensively. I mean... You, you, you're telling me that you're a drive away from beating the Chiefs every year, every time you play them pretty much. Uh, uh, your defense has been more than good enough. Every once in a while, you just have to be able to do something offensively. Uh, you can only rely on your defense so much, and Denver showed that you really can only do that. It, it's, it's not an equation for success. So um, they went out, and they're kind of following a, the similar path that the Rams were, have taken. Uh, they, they saw that, hey, we have this incredibly, incredibly talented team around us. Uh, we, we kind of are just missing the most important piece, the, the quarterback. Um, if you want to win a Super Bowl, I mean, I know teams have made it, um, you know, such as the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. There, there's been some... I would say kind of lower end quarterbacks to to make it to the big game. But in a division like the AFC West, I mean, you have to be a complete football team and you have to have a, you know, I would I would say a top 12 quarterback and Russell Wilson is a top 12 quarterback. You can make an argument he's a top five 
quarterback in the National Football League, Ed. Um, and I know uh, there's kind of been this story floating around or idea floating around that Denver maybe gave up too much for Russell Wilson. And I strongly, strongly disagree with that take, Ed. I think they, they gave up, you know... I, I think it was a fair trade, in all honesty. I think it was a win for both teams. I think it was a huge win for both teams, actually. And I, I see other teams saying, or other people saying that, you know, the Seahawks, it was a horrible trade for the Seahawks. I mean, I look at that Seattle Seahawks roster, um, even with Russell Wilson on it, Ed. I mean, being realistic, being realistic, you look at that team, you realize, hey, we're probably not going to win anything within the next two to three years. With how good the rest of the NFC West is, um, with how bad our defense is, we're not going to win anything regardless, regardless of our quarterback situation. So let's build for the future. And they did that. They got some key players like Noah Fant, um, Shelby Harris, who's one of the most underrated interior defensive linemen in the league, and Drew Locke. I mean, Drew Locke's is not, <laughs> not necessarily a franchise guy, but, you know, maybe serviceable for a year. And then, like I said, Denver now completes their already loaded roster. I think this was an absolute win for both sides, Ed. Do you think either side overpaid or underpaid, or how do you think this trade fared out for each team? I don't think the Broncos overpaid, but I do think they got the better end of this deal getting Russell Wilson. I mean, they they put themselves in, in, in position to be a playoff team, to make a run at the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. I think they've got a lot of pieces in, 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 in there, and I think now... Um, for the Broncos, you know, defense has been a strength, but maybe now they need to, if in free agency, maybe adding a piece kind of in that front four might be what they need to do. No, I agree with you, Ed. And um, after after shipping away a guy like Shelby Harris, that actually does leave um, a big gap on on that defense. And people don't like being an interior defensive lineman. You know, Ed, you you know that they don't get as much love as they as they really deserve unless your name's like Aaron Donald, but um, a guy like Shelby Harris, who has consistently been one of the better run stuffers in the league, um, consistently is towards the top of the league in swatted balls at the line of scrimmage, um, you're really going to hurt losing a guy like him. But like you said, Ed, um, Denver ended up getting Russell Wilson. So I think regardless, they definitely got the sweeter end of the deal. Um, Just in the Seahawks situation, I don't think it's ever a good, a, a quote-unquote good thing to trade away your franchise quarterback. I mean, one of the best players, if not the best player in the history of your franchise. I mean, you never want to do that. But like I said, they took a real-life look at their situation, and they said, you know, we have enough respect for Russ to let him go out and have an opportunity to win again. And like I said, we're not going to win with him regardless. So why would we let him rot when he can go out and win somewhere else? And... Uh, and just not care about our future. I mean, they got they completely got rid of Russell Wilson's contract. That helps them out so much. That's been a you know a primary reason why they have not been able to necessarily build a football team. Um, Denver had one of the prettiest cap situations in football, so they were able to take that contract on and not really have to worry about it for right now. Seattle was not in that situation. They weren't in a position to upgrade their football team through free agency signings or anything like that. They had to completely rebuild through the draft. Now they can potentially bring in free agents for the future because they're not paying Russell Wilson anymore. They're not going to be paying Bobby Wagner anymore. 
I totally, totally understand where the Seahawks are going. And, you know, they, they even said that Russell or that Tyler Lockett is in a position to go search for free agency. So they are 110% full rebuild mode and Denver is in full attack mode. Ed, I think this trade or that this trade that the Rams made to get Matthew Stafford, I was saying this a couple weeks ago that that the route the Rams took to win the Super Bowl is going to become a lot more popular. Um, my roommate was telling me that he thinks that the NBA or the NFL is behind other leagues such as the NBA or the MLB in blockbuster trades, I guess. Um, and I, I, th- I agree with him. I mean, you look at the NBA and there's teams that are consistently, you know, going out and trading for a big name guy. It happens every season. Um, and it doesn't happen that often in the NFL. Now we saw the Rams go out and trade for Matt Stafford and they went all out. They gave they gave multiple first round picks and second round picks and a starting quarterback. Denver did the same thing. So I think if this works out for Denver, we're going to start to see a new trend in the NFL, Ed. And I, I think that people are going to go incredibly aggressive in the trade market. Yeah, I actually think it's a new trend in football. I think it's a trend of the last three or four years where teams are trading um, to get big players and to change their team and stuff like that. That's that's how they're improving their team. They're realizing that just building through free agency in the draft won't do it. Um, and I think I think you know if you talked about football, kind of of you know let's say pre, uh, let's say twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, teams teams just weren't aggressively making trades. You know what I'm saying? And I think I think one of the examples of how this works is the way the Rams have aggressively bought and sell players. Um, that's that's a great example of you know that that basically trading and signing big name free agents it works. I agree with you, Ed, and I I almost feel like it was because um, there's such a high value placed on first round draft picks I mean regardless where you're picking I mean a first round draft pick is a first round draft pick and I feel like a lot of people just view these as like the holy grail and you know in reality how often do you actually hit like a legitimate bona fide baller hit on on your first round pick it doesn't happen too often Ed it it happens maybe half the time for some teams and so I think teams are starting to realize that hey we're not guaranteeing ourselves a hit with this first round pick. Yeah, maybe, maybe we get a guy that is, that is dominant on our team for five, maybe even 10 years. But guess what? We could also use that same pick and another and get this guy that has proven already in the National Football League, in professional football, that he is a legitimate competitor and can bring our team to the next level. It's, it's, People are people have kind of had this like idea that oh it's such a big risk to you know invest that many trades into a into a, a a guy but really is it I feel like at this point it might be a bigger risk to make the draft pick Ed because you're having to take your chances on developing a player seeing if they can transition into the NFL I think people are starting to realize I mean unless you have yourself a top five pick and you're you know you're going and drafting your Aiden Hutchinson who you're you're pretty darn sold on um I think it's it's I'm I'm all for it Ed I'm all for being aggressive in the trade market because it's every team that's done it in recent in recent memory it's worked out for them and uh, I I just think that there's been way too high of a value placed on these first round draft picks I mean I'm not saying they're not the most valuable you know thing come draft day but it's just not a guaranteed hit ever. I don't care how good of a team you are at scouting. I don't care, 
you know, it, I know people are darn good at their jobs, but it's a lot harder to, you know, go out and say, hey, I think this guy's going to be legitimate game changer for our team, you know, drafting him, you know, we're going to draft him 15th overall, but we're taking a, a serious chance on him right there rather than, you know, instead of, you know, using that to take a chance on him, you take a quote unquote chance on a guy that's already proven themselves. I, I would hope that we see more teams that are in a position to uh, to win a Super Bowl make these aggressive trades. I mean, now I almost feel like view free agency and draft picks as, you know, this is how we build our base. I mean, that's how Denver got to where they were. I mean, they, they did a solid job drafting the last five years, and then they brought in a couple of, you know, decently uh, good enough free agents to get them to the position where they are at to then go and trade for Russell Wilson. I, I think that that's kind of what you do. I don't think you go and try to get your your single guy that's going to take your franchise over the top in the draft, that's where you build around that guy, I guess, now. Um, I, I'm, I really hope this works out for Denver, Ed, because I, I, I feel like it's going to start a... I mean, right now we're seeing a trend, but I think it might change how football is ran for the, for the rest of its existence. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think this aggressive buying and selling, I think it's good for football. I think it's good you know, to get people like us talking... Uh, you know, it, it gets the fans talking about trades and, um, yeah, I mean, was Denver supposed to sit in this doom and gloom of never being able to acquire a quarterback? I mean, this isn't the best quarterback draft class, even though they have a high draft pick. So, um, I, I, I give, I give the Broncos all the credit in the world for making this move. Absolutely. Ed. And, you know, I'll ask you one more thing about it. What does Denver have to do to make this trade worth it? I mean, is it is it a playoff uh, appearance? Is it a Super Bowl appearance? Or is it even a Super Bowl win? I mean, what do they have to accomplish to make it worth it? Because I know they're in a competitive division, Ed. I mean, regardless how good that football team is, you still have to go through the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who never make it an easy game, the Raiders, who, you know, were able to somehow scrape their way into the playoffs, and the Chargers, who have a top three arguably top three quarterback in the National Football League, and that's a team very much on the come up. What do they have to do to make this worth it, Ed? They at least have to make it to the playoffs. I mean, that would be, you know, to have Russell Wilson in the fold and to give up what they gave up for him and to trade the future. Yeah, I mean, they at least need to make the playoffs, and they need to be in that direction towards that upward swing towards the Super Bowl. I agree. I mean, I, I don't see them making a Super Bowl run the first year there that Russell Wilson's here. I mean, I absolutely see them making a push for at least the wild card. I mean, at least. Um, I mean, if they weren't in such a tough division, I think they're they're almost a guaranteed shot in the playoffs, Ed. But um, for me, I think by the end of Russ's tenure with the Denver Broncos, you got to at least make it to a Super Bowl, Ed. I mean, two first, like I was saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm almost falling back into what I was just saying, that people place too high of value into these draft picks. But, I mean, they are valuable at the end of the day, and other teams value them a lot. So you gave up two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and some and some players that you have previously invested, you know, first-round picks into. So it, it was not a cheap move. And I think if you're going to spend a lot of money, you better get a big prize, right? So I want to see them at least make it to a Super Bowl, um, you know, it, it's it's so hard to say. You gotta have, you have to go out there and win the big game. I mean, Ed, there's 32 football teams in the National Football League. I know that it's very rare that even the actual best team wins. 
It's just about getting hot at the right time, and um, I think I think Russ is the perfect guy to 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 revolutionize this offense. I mean, there's a lot of talent offensively sitting there in Denver that's been that's been kind of rotten with with their quarterback play. I mean, guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. That is going to be scary with Russell Wilson, Ed, and with with Nathaniel Hackett saying he already wants to come with an air raid offense with one of the best. Now you have top five deep ball passer of the last you know ten years. I think they I think they have a legitimate chance to do it, Ed, and I I hope I'm not getting my hopes up too much, but um you know with however long Russ is on the Denver Broncos, I need to see a Super Bowl appearance, and I I will say that it was a successful trade, Ed, but. We just came off of the uh, the NFL Combine, Ed, and we had a chance to uh, to to watch some of these players work out and everything. And um, we've been watching hours and hours and hours of film on on every position we can. And lately, uh, or this last week, I know you took over the running backs, and I took over wide receivers. And uh, Ed, there is some talent this year in the draft. Uh, I I don't know what the story was before, um, you know, it really got closer to draft season, but a lot of people were saying, oh, oh this this draft's not going to be that deep. I, I think this might be one of the, the one of the worst draft picks we've had, in, or the drafts we've had in the last, you know, five, six years. I strongly disagree. I strongly disagree. I mean, at least if, if the wide receivers are, are even a preview for what's to come, I think this is going to be an immensely, immensely talented, and not even talented, I, just deep draft in general, Ed. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about the running backs. I'm excited to hear about what you have to say. So I'm going to let you take the floor a little bit, Ed, and, and kind of give me a breakdown on what you've seen out of these uh, running backs coming into the draft. All right, yeah, so I'll give you my rundown of the running backs in this draft class. Uh, number one is C.J. Verdell. I, I'm, this isn't in any particular order. Um C.J. Verdell, running back from Oregon. He's an incoming senior. He's 5'10", 210 pounds. Uh, he was more productive early in his career. He's a three-star recruit out of high school. Um, Oregon ran a lot out of the pistol formation. He's a decent route runner out of the backfield. His role is to execute a lot of read option and misdirection. Very average speed catching out of the backfield. Not a particularly shifty runner. Very much a straight line runner. Um we got uh, James Cook, who's a running back from Georgia. He's 5'11", 190 pounds. Uh, spent his whole career with the Bulldogs. More of a change of pace back in the NFL. Four-star recruit out of high school. He's good at tracking the ball as a receiver out of the backfield. I like his footwork as a runner. Has good get-off speed and coming out of the backfield. Um, spent more time running routes out of the backfield than blocking. Not an active blocker, but can help in that area when the game plan asks for it. Uh, then we got... Max Borgie, uh, running back from Washington State, uh, senior, um, not a feature back in 2020, more of a change of pace runner, uh, all Pac-12 honorable mention, three-star recruit out of high school, has great explosion as a runner, very good speed on tape, has some toughness to fight for the extra yard, doesn't go down easy, will spear down to win the extra yard, shows some nice agility out of the backfield. So next we got Cameron Harris, running back from Miami. Uh, senior, um, guy who's gotten on the field since his freshman year, four-star recruit out of high school. He's 5'10", 210 pounds. 
Um, had 10 touchdowns in 2010. Very impressive improvement from previous years. Relies on his vision to hit the hole rather than his speed and agility. The Hurricanes threw the ball a lot with Derek King. A very good route runner in the slot. I like that he takes charge and will be physical as a pass blocker at the line of scrimmage. Needs to be a more elusive runner. The next we got Muhammad Abraham, uh, running back from Minnesota. Uh, he was at a 1,000-yard rusher as a freshman and a junior. 5'10", 210 pounds, three-star recruit. He's got 4'5 speed, has good vision to find the hole, average power as a runner, average speed, surprisingly brave blocker, um, you know, who in who he takes on. I like a lot his balance technique as a blocker. Next, we got Kenneth Walker, running back from Michigan State. He's probably the number one running back in this class. Uh, he's a junior, 5'10", 210 pounds, highly decorated, especially his junior year. 4.57 speed, three-star recruit out of Tennessee. Very good runner, probably the best in this class. Below average receiver. Can fit in a zone or a gap scheme at the next level. His burst is what separates him from the competition in this draft class. Very good vision. Next, we got Keontae Ingram, running back USC. He's a senior, 6 feet, 220 pounds. Didn't have a great junior year in 2020. 4.57 40-yard dash, four-star recruit out of Texas. Originally signed with the Longhorns, but transferred to USC. I like the way he cuts as a runner. Doesn't have a huge burst. Does have some good moves as a runner. Agility and change of direction are lead. Uh, and he's a patient runner. And then we got Kennedy Brooks, junior, 5'11", 209, sub 4'5", speed. Good production in 2021 with uh, 1,200 yards. Four-star recruit out of Texas. Average pass blocker, good burst. Very good vision, patient runner, and hard to bring down naturally. Then we got Lynn J. Dixon, running back from Clemson. He's a senior, 5'10", 195. Not a lot of opportunities at Clemson, um, especially to run the ball. Four-star recruit out of Georgia. Um, decent route runner for the outside. Wasn't used much. Um, average runner, average pass blocker, not the shifty of a runner. We got Stevie Scott running back from Indiana, accelerates well, has very average vision, can show some power, capable of catching out of the backfield, uses his length to run over guys. Uh, we got Connor Hayward, who's an H-back, um, but sometimes can be considered in the running back class. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present him now. Uh, he's a redshirt senior, 6 feet, 230 pounds, is at the combine, has the size of a power runner, got most of his rushing attempts in 2018, Three-star recruit out of high school. Good vision as a pass blocker. I like his physicality as a pass blocker. Needs to be sharper when going out for a pass from the backfield. The Spartans threw a lot in their offense. Uh, might have been misused as a misdirection piece. Might be better to use more power formations where they can utilize the size advantage. Difficult to bring down with the size. So yeah, more of an H-back type. Jartavius Whitlow, uh, running back from Western Illinois, season ed, incoming redshirt senior, six feet, two hundred and ten pounds. Didn't really play his senior year. Has four six speed, three star recruit out of high school, shifty runner with average vision. Goes down too quickly for a six foot guy. I like his burst, but that he changes up his speed to deter tacklers. Goes out out for a pass of the backfield with alacrity. Not a centerpiece of the Auburn offense. Transferred from Auburn to Western Illinois. Injur injuries and ball security derailed his career at Auburn. Um, so that's why he left Auburn. Uh, Hassan Haskins, running back from Michigan. I uh, remember that Michigan had a very good running team. Uh, he's a senior. He's 6'1", 220 pounds. That's, that's long for running back. Um, has excellent size. Three-star recruit out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, all, ten, all Big Ten honorable mention. Needs to take on the defender more squarely when pass blocking. Does a good job uh, using his size to break tackles. Projects as a power runner for me. Um, 
has below average speed, but he makes up for it with agility. I'd like to see him take on more guys as a blocker. Uh, Rashad, Rashad White, uh, running back out of Arizona State, is a senior, 6'2", 210 pounds, Juco transfer. Best year was as a senior where he ran for 1,000 yards, three-star recruit from Missouri. A high-effort blocker but needs to read the pass brush much better. Has surprisingly good speed on tape for his height. I like the way he hustles on his routes. Cuts very well as a runner. I like his vision as a ball carrier. Then there's Devontae Price, running back from Florida International, senior. 6'2", 215 pounds, has five years of production. Not always the bell cow for his, in his career, but good yards per carry. Three-star recruit out of Florida, finds the hole and hits the hole hard. Uh, uses Used in a gap-running scheme at Florida International. A bit of a one-cup runner. A bit more of a power runner, not an explosive runner. Then we got Damian Pierce, uh, running back from Florida. Four-star recruit out of Georgia. Good and polite southern boy character. Um... I would say, you know, just a gentleman, uh, senior, 5'10", 215 pounds, four years of production for the Gators, bounces off tacklers while hustles on passing routes, runs a lot out of the shotgun at Florida. I like his route running ability for a running back, elite running, route running technique for a running back. So he's, he's strong in that area, shows he's a hard worker. Then there's Abram Smith, running back from Baylor. He's a senior, 5'11", 221. Uh, he was kind of a one-year wonder for the Bears. Averaged 6.4 yards per carry as a senior, three-star recruit out of Texas. Good acceleration out of his break. Needs to take on tacklers better at the second level. Decent pass blocker. Capable pass catcher out of the backfield. More of a misdirection runner in the Bears offense. And then there's Tyler Algier, uh, running back from BYU's 5'11", 220. Senior, mid 4'5", speed. Turned his... Turned the corner in his career in 2020. Not a highly re- recruited out of high school, but a good runner after contact. Decent burst as a runner. Definitely a good power runner. Decent vision when running the ball. Average receiver out of the backfield. I would draft him to be a goal line short yardage back. Maybe like a day three pick. And there's our running backs. All right, Ed. All right. But before I ask you some questions, I uh, just wanted to say... I beat Max Borgie in middle school in a dodgeball tournament, so it's <laughs> I'm ha- happy to see him, uh, you know, working his way up and you know getting his chance to to go to the league. But hey, now now I can say I potentially or I, that I uh, I beat a you know maybe NFL player in a in a game of dodgeball. So I'll hold on to that one. <laughs> well, what happens but, if he, uh, what happens if he wins a dodgeball tournament at the Pro Bowl? You know, then you then right? then, you're, then then you're the elite of the elite. Right, then that that's just the biggest flex of all time, man. I mean, might as well sign me to an NFL contract that second, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, I, I'm super happy to see him. You know, I, he's always been a super super hard worker. I mean, uh, I didn't I didn't go to the same high school. He went to uh, one of my rival high schools, but I mean. He he was the talk of the town. Uh, he was he was um, you know growing up in Arvada. He was seriously just the story everywhere. So I'm I'm really happy to see him you know make it and get his shot. That's somebody that really deserves it. So, um, but Ed, out of all of these running backs, who would you say was your favorite film to watch? I really like Kenneth Walker. I mean, I just I just think with him as a runner, he he's elite. I mean, he's a, he's a bell cow back. And it's hard to find a bell cow back in the draft. I think even this year, you know. Right. Yeah. He kind of gives kind of gives that old school, you know, like real, just like I don't have any regard for human life type of running style, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he is the most upside of anyone. 
I agree with you. I, I and I am not <laughs> I am not a fan of Michigan State by any means, but I caught myself watching a handful of their games so I could watch some Kenneth Walker because I mean any time that they needed to rely on him in a game, he was the the difference maker. I mean Kenneth Walker is seriously something special, Ed, and uh, I know he may be a little bit of an you know under average um, uh, pass catcher, but. That's not what they're going to use Kenneth Walker for. I, I think the league needs to be a little bit scared of Kenneth Walker because um, that is a man that runs with a purpose. Uh, I out of I, I know I haven't you know watched nearly as much film as you, but um, just based off what I saw last year, I would I would have to agree with you that Kenneth Walker has absolutely been um, one of my favorite running backs to watch. And you know this this isn't for this year, but one guy that I'm I'm. I know we're going to be talking about, um, you know, either next year or the year after that is B. John Robinson because that was somebody that I was absolutely just in awe with. But um, can't wait to see him, you know, uh, get his shot in, you know, likely next year's draft. But Kenneth Walker, for anybody that's draft eligible, absolutely my favorite running back as well, Ed. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I want to hear about the run- the wide receiver class. Uh, I would love to, my friend. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you my top ten, and then I'll also give you a few other guys that I, I think that will absolutely make a difference on the next level, but maybe are just scraped right outside of my top ten, Ed. Okay, why don't we start but, with number ten? All right, so starting off with number ten, I have Calvin Austin, Ed. And um, Calvin Austin is somebody that I actually had a chance to talk about uh, not too long ago on the show. He was, uh, he was uh, at the Senior Bowl, and Calvin Austin, I mean, he is – definitely one of the smallest receivers. I mean, uh, there, there's been teams that had him marked all over the place, but um, with his height-wise, and some teams were saying he was 5'7", some were saying he's 5'9", but um, we're going to give him 5'8", and what, at 152, and um, he has absolute top-tier ac- uh, acceleration and explosiveness, and for a guy that size, that you have to have that skill set. He's super twitchy, um, can be really hard to cover underneath. I mean, if you have a linebacker on him, uh, good luck, end of story, because Calvin Austin's going to win that matchup. Um, he's you know shifty with the ball in his hands. He's talented after the catch. Is a refined route runner. Does not only rely on his quickness. I mean his routes are crisp. He makes strong cuts. He understands when to make his breaks in his routes. Um, and he, he, he seems to be a student of the game. He just understands anytime he's playing against a zone defense, he understands where that soft spots of, of the zone is going to be and just finds a way to just sit in it and find it. Um, uh, you know, obviously his, his lack of just sheer size is probably going to be his biggest knock. He's gotten uh, bullied off of the line of scrimmage a few times. If he's ever had to deal with any press, it's um, it's been quite the struggle for him. But, you know, being his size, I think teams will utilize him correctly and that won't be a huge issue at the next level. Um, but you know, if he's going up against a more hands-on stingier defensive back, he's going to, he's going to struggle. Um, is he kind of reminds me of, uh, Julian Edelman, but I would honestly say Calvin Austin is, is a little bit more athletic than Julian Edelman and Edelman more just has a, a natural feel for the game. Um, going at number nine is going to be George Pickens, uh, George Pickens from Georgia at 6'3", 200. He's got, I mean, absolute ideal frame for a wide receiver. Uh, he's in that paired with top tier athleticism. I think he's going to be one one of the most athletic wide receivers from this class. Um, very strong and smooth hands. He, he's been successful at every level of the field. I mean, short, intermediate, and deep. He's a very fluid route runner. Um, can consistently get separation. Um, even though he's not the fastest guy in the world, he just understands how to, how to get away from people. 
Um, his his route tree is deep. He's not just running you know six seven routes the entire season. I mean he's running a deep route tree at every level of the field. And I personally I think that he has one of the highest ceilings for any wide receiver in this draft class. Um, the only reason he's not higher on my list is because, and I would say probably the only reason he's not higher on a lot of people's lists is because of his torn ACL. I mean that's a very concerning. Um, very concerning injury. And I, I think that his, his production doesn't necessarily match his skill set. I think just watching him play, you can tell that this guy is special and he's different. And um, he, he struggles to win some contested balls. And then uh, he also apparently has had some off-field issues, um, you know, where he's gotten into some arguments with, um, you know, coaches and uh, other teammates. But um, the talent is undeniable, undeniable with George Pickens. Um, and then at set at uh, eight, or excuse yeah. At, uh, at eight, I got Christian Watson, um, wide receiver from NDSU. And Ed, Christian Watson is probably one of the most intriguing, I would say, uh, wide receiver prospects. I mean, 6'5", 208 pounds. Somebody that size, you'd expect them to kind of be, you know, sluggish, lanky, um, you know, doesn't get to top speed very fast. Christian Watson absolutely is the polar opposite of all those things. I mean, with that size, he has excellent speed. He's effective with the ball in his hands um, and has an unexpected shiftiness. I, I don't understand how a guy at 6'5 can be as shifty and as dominant after the catch that uh, as he is. Um, he's not easy to bring down. He's an effective route runner, and his ball tracking is out of this world. I mean, he, he's consistently able to you know, make these acrobatic catches where he's falling down and able to locate a ball that's behind him. Uh, it, it, his, his concentration is next level. Um, now, the only thing that's weird about this guy is, you know, being 6'5", you'd expect him to be kind of dominant winning that 50-50 ball. You'd expect it to be maybe a 70-30 or even a 60-40, but it's definitely still a 50-50. He's not dominant in that sense. He may be fast, and but he's also not sudden. His, his um... You know, he's straight line speed. Yeah, he's there all day, but he's not going to make, you know, make a, a cut that's that's going to, you know, blow your mind in any way, shape or form. And his routes, um, you know, he, he may be a good route runner, but at times his routes could be a little bit rounded and lazy. And I think he just needs to fully utilize his, you know, his athletic advantage at the next level. As of right now, I don't think he does that. Um, you know, like I said, being 6'5", you want to be able to be, you know, what Mike Evans is able to do. I mean, he has a similar skill set to Mike Evans with the exception of being able to win that contested 50-50 ball, Ed. Um, but I think I think Christian Watson has as potentially a very bright future in the NFL. And then at number seven, I have John Mechie from, from Alabama. And John Mechie is so fun to watch, Ed. Six, six foot, 195. He's super sudden with his movements. It's incredibly hard to predict what he's doing. Uh, he runs every route like it's the same. So you, you can't tell what he's going to do based off of his body language. And I would say that's is one of his biggest assets. He is unpredictable. He's a high-effort blocker, high-effort player, um, has good hands, can make highlight reel catches consistently, and has a very strong release. His, his release is insane because he has such a quick burst off the line of scrimmage, and he reaches his top speed so quickly. Um, the, the cons with him, his route running can be a little bit curved at times, um, and he gets out physical. I would say, a little bit too often. I mean, um, similar to a lot of receivers in this draft, if if a stingier defensive back gets their hands on him, he's going to struggle. And um, another guy that doesn't catch very well in traffic. And then uh, at number six, we have Jahan, Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Jahan Dotson is probably 
one of my favorite prospects in this draft. Uh, 5'11", 184 pounds. This guy might have the best acceleration for anybody I've watched in a while. Can go 0 to 100 in the blink of an eye, Ed. Um, He makes difficult catches look routine. Um, He's a big play machine. Uh, I think he's one of the best big play players in the entire nation. An incredibly, incredibly fluid route runner. Um, Perfect combo of of speed and quickness. And I think he doesn't sacrifice any speed whatsoever when he's, you know, catching the ball to bring it in and then cutting up field. Zero speed is ever sacrificed. Now, he may not be the ideal size for an NFL receiver, and his hands could maybe use a little bit more strength. Um, and at times, uh, the ball seems to you know get caught by his pads rather than just his hands. But he reminds me a lot of Tyler Lockett, Ed. He just has such a similar skill set to be able to track balls down and just get insane amounts of separation due to his elite route running, his quickness. And neither of these guys are big whatsoever but they are consistently one of the best deep ball threats. And I I mean, similar to Tyler Lockett, he's, you know, he's one of the most explosive wide receivers in football. Um, That's something that Tyler Lockett doesn't get enough credit for. And I I think that is far and away his best NFL comparison. Um, Now, coming in at number five, we have Ohio State's wide receiver, Chris Olave. Now, I... And I, I'm so, so excited to see what Chris Olave can do at the next level. I mean, Ohio State had an absolute tandem of wide receivers this year with between him, Garrett Wilson, and JSN. But, um, you know, there's people that will make an argument for each and every one of them that they're the best in their class. But and I could see an argument for each. Um, Chris Olave, though, at 6'1", 189 pounds. He wins most of his routes at the line of scrimmage, Ed. He has a top-tier burst um, and reaches top speed um, a lot faster than these uh, other receivers in this class has some of the best balance in this class as well. I mean, his, he will make sideline catches look routine. He's able to, you know, just get skinny in between guys and keep himself on his feet. Uh, he, he runs very unorthodox routes. Like, he, he runs hard routes. You ask him to run a hard route, and he's going to run it very effectively. Um, he's an elite deep threat due to his ability to gain separation, um, deep route tree, and he's a very smooth, fluid athlete. Now, he's another player that really struggles when DBs get his hands on him. He's not physical by any means. Um, He's not consistent enough after the catch for me. He's not a good blocker, and his frame has a little bit of a question on the next level. Uh, His his blocking is just, I wouldn't say it's not effortful, but it's just the the technique's not there, and you see that he's he's like, I want to catch the football. I don't necessarily want to be a blocker. Um, But I'm... I think Chris Olave has potentially one of the higher ceilings for any wide receiver in this class. Um, I just, uh, for for a guy like him, I would like to see, because of how athletic he is, I'd like to see him be a little bit better after the catch every time that ball's in his hands. He just seems to be more of a, you know, I'm going to beat you 60 yards downfield and catch this bomb and you're going to be 20 yards behind me, you know? Um, and then under, under Chris Olave, coming in at number four, we have Drake London, wide receiver from USC. Now, I know a few people might even rip me for only putting him at four, but um, at 6'5", 210 pounds, uh, I, I think, you know, being a dual sport athlete is huge. He was a star in basketball, and um, I might rip myself for saying I'm not as big on this guy as other people are, but just there's no denying, you know, 
this guy's this guy's potential ceiling. So he's he's a good route runner for his size. He's not afraid to get physical and go find somebody to block, even if there's nobody there. He'll go out of his way to get somebody. Has strong body control, which is an elite weapon for that size. Um, has very good hands. Can make every catch within his radius. Um, he, and he, he's decent after the catch. Uh, he bullies smaller guys. I mean, you have to get a bigger um, defensive back, like your strong safety, trying to bring this guy down if it's it's a, somebody in the secondary. And he can consistently make these highlight real catches. Um, I just, the only things that, you know, really concern me about him is he's not fast off the line of scrimmage and gains absolutely zero separation early. Um, he played a lot of time in the slot, which being 6'5", I, I don't necessarily know what you're doing in the slot. I mean, that kind of tells me that, you, you know, you don't consistently beat press on the outside and, um, you know, he has this tendency to use his pads to make the catch. And he wins all of his deep balls by making a catch in traffic. Now, this is a guy that is 6'5 and absolutely uses that to his advantage to the max. I mean, he he wins almost every jump ball, but I don't think you can make a career off of that in the NFL. You have to show me that you can gain separation on a decent level, like on a, on a somewhat consistent basis. I mean, it was very rarely that I saw him getting legitimate NFL level separation. And I think that's that's... One of the most important aspects for a wide receiver is able to get get separation. And um, Drake London, out of any all of these receivers, has some of the worst separation ability I've seen. But um, I just all of his other strengths are so incredible that it's hard for me to put him any lower than this. And then under Drake London, we have uh, Jamison Williams from Alabama, and Jamison Williams. To a lot of people, Ed, was actually the best wide receiver um, prior prior to that uh, ACL tear. A lot of people are saying that he's going to be the first receiver taken, and I can't blame him. I mean, at 6'2", 189 pounds, dude had blazing speed, absolutely blazing speed. The first time they played Bama, um, he single-handedly destroyed that defense. And let's not forget, or excuse me, when they played Georgia, the first he destroyed that defense. And let's not forget that that Georgia defense was... You know, one of the best we've seen in, in the last 20 years. Um, he's a very slippery runner. It's hard to wrap him up because he's just going to run by you. Incredible balance. Has nice tightrope ability. He's a track star. His yak ability is some of the best in the nation. And like I said, he was arguably the top prospect before his ACL tear. Um, now, the cons with him is he doesn't consistently win on the outside due to his size. Um, he's, his torn ACL versus Georgia. Um, and he catches with his body a little bit too often rather than, you know, just relying on his hands. And um, I don't I don't think that will be an issue at the next level because there's no question about his hands. I mean, the dude has got incredible hands, but it just I think it's a little bit of a habit for him to use his pads. Um, and then coming at number two is my favorite wide receiver of this draft. Ed. And I, I might even say he's my favorite player of this draft. I am praying that the Cleveland Browns take a chance on this guy. And that's Traylon Burks from Arkansas. 6'3", 225 pounds, and he's versatile enough uh, to to line up all over the field. He's even gotten snaps at running back, Ed. Um, he's drawn heavy comparisons to Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown, prototypical frame for a feature receiver. Uh, it's, it's nearly the exact same build as Josh Gordon, who was the Browns' last dominant receiver. Um, he's strong run after the catchability, can take a screen 75 yards to the house, which he showed that he could do that last season, I mean, effortlessly. Um, he's a decent blocker. He's a willing blocker and um, incredibly fluid for his size, can consistently beat press due to his size and strength, um, size, strength, and speed combination, is a vertical threat nightmare. Uh, I think he's a top, going to be a top five wide receiver in this draft class. 
Now, I would say he doesn't reach his top speed very quickly. It takes a minute to get it, but once he does get to that top speed, nobody's catching this man from behind. Um, his route tree is pretty limited compared to these other receivers that I have high on my board, and um, I, I normally love to see a guy have a good route tree. I, I think that's very important at the next level. You can't be one-dimensional in your route running, um, but I think with, with how talented Traylon Burks is, he'll be able to further develop that. Um, and then, uh, like a lot of other receivers in this draft, uses his pads to catch the ball a little too often. Um, and, you know, I, I get it. It's a habit. It's it's sometimes easier to do than using your hands, but you'd like to see him be a little more reliant on his hands um, when he reaches the next level. Now, my number one wide receiver for, for this year is Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And honestly... I was really, I, I had a hard time coming up with this list because there's a lot of people I feel like I could have put, uh, I feel like anybody within the top four is interchangeable, really, Ed. I mean, but at six foot, 188 pounds, Garrett Wilson is an incredibly, incredibly fluid runner. Some may say he's the best route runner in this class. Um, he's a jolty, explosive runner after the catch. Uh, and he's so hard to bring down after the catch. I mean, he's only six foot and 188 pounds, but with his with his effort and his you know combination of balance, speed, and quickness, he is you just don't get your hands on him. It's impossible to wrap this guy up. Um, he has the concentration to make acrobatic catches look easy and routine. Um, he's, he has a knack for bringing the ball down regardless of, of coverage. He's just, he's just a football magnet. I mean, it, it, he could be in traffic, uh, with a jump ball guy that has two inches on him and he just still finds a way to, to bring the ball down. Um, he understands how to gain separation downfield, ran a four, three, eight at the combine. Um, and I, I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts that he is at least a top three receiver in this draft, no matter who you ask, I, wh- whoever you ask, they will have Garrett Wilson in their top three. Um, the only one thing that really, really concerns me, and that's my only really big knock on him is he has a tendency to jump every time he catches the ball. Like it's, it's just like a little hop and, uh, he really showed it at the combine and that's when I noticed it. And then I went back and I watched more film. I was like, wow, he does have a, like a rain, like every time I wouldn't say every time, but way too often, he just has a jump, an unnecessary jump. And that could really hurt at the next level. I mean, that could literally hurt you at the next level. I mean, you're, if you're going airborne, every time you catch the ball, you're getting swept off your feet pretty darn easily. So I'd love to see that habit get fixed. And I know habits are a really hard thing to, to get out of, but that's one you have to get out of. Um, I don't think that's going to be something that holds him back during the draft. Um, and I, I think the only other thing is he has he had some issues securing the ball, um, and I, I think I, I think that that's not that's it's not a big enough issue to be an actual concern. I mean, it was almost hard for me to find some cons on Garrett Wilson because he's just such a complete football player. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say his frame's not prototypical, but I I, I feel like receivers nowadays. They, that 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 prototypical frame is really only for a guy like Traylon Burks. I mean, it's it's not needed as much as they say it is because they just make it work. And Ed, I am so unbelievably, unbelievably impressed with this draft class. There's one more player that I wanted to highlight before um before we we wrap this up. But Kevin Austin, Ed, Kevin Austin Jr. from Notre Dame has got to be one of the most underrated and underappreciated players coming out of this draft. 6'2", 215 pounds. He's fast enough to get consistent separation and be effective after the catch. Can line up anywhere on the field. 
very, very good deep threat. I, I Like I said, I think he's one of the most underrated wide receivers of the class. He's got a good NFL frame, large catch radius, and just finds a way to come down with the ball. And he's not a sudden route runner, and his routes could be rounded out at times. But every time I felt like I was watching a Notre Dame game, Kevin Austin was just the one that was making a play. Um, I Kevin Austin, I think, has legitimate NFL uh, talent, and I think his frame um, or how he's going to be utilized in the NFL is 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 honestly number one receiver uh, type type guy. Uh, Kevin Austin is not getting enough respect right now, and um, hopefully, me you know putting his name out there has has a couple more people talking about him because Kevin Austin seriously has the ability to make a difference on the next level, Ed. Well, Brendan, I thought you did a great job with the receivers this year. I'm really happy with what I saw. I appreciate that, my friend. I, I'm I'm happy with what I saw as well, man. I, I had a fantastic time watching film on these guys, and uh, quite honestly, for any of the film I I think I've ever had to watch, I wouldn't even say had to. I love watching some film, but um, these wide receivers might have been my favorite ever, Ed. I really mean that. Uh, there was just so, and even guys that I haven't mentioned, there it just absolutely unbelievable talent and I, th- I think there's going to be you know legitimate starting guys that get taken in the fourth fifth maybe even sixth round this year mm-hmm. ed um because just there's so many big names early on that they're going to take these guys and people are going to kind of forget about these guys that were super productive and maybe played at a smaller college i mean i promise you there will be a star taken after the third round this year that when it when it comes to wide receivers ed and I, i'm really excited to see who it's going to be well, all right, Ed, it was a pleasure talking about running backs and wide receivers with you. I really appreciate you giving me your breakdown. Um, I'm excited to see where, where some of our f- favorite players like Kenneth Walker land up or Traylon Burks land up. Um, I, I seriously, I can't wait for the draft. That's all I think about right now. I know that's probably all you're thinking about, but um, it'll come soon enough. And then we'll be then we'll be upset that it happened because all we have to look forward to is the next season. So, Ed, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Brendan. Of course, my friend. And we'll be back next week, and uh, hopefully we have another blockbuster trade to talk about, folks. But um, appreciate you for listening, and we'll be back.